0: Are you very patient? Like, naturally, you are just super patient with crazy people who drive on the road, who like to cut you off, who like to switch lanes without blinkers. Are you patient with people who like to drag their bratty loud children around in the store and let us all listen to them scream at the top of their lungs because they can't have the candy that they want? I am not that person. (laughs) I am not the patient person. I am the one who's probably going to roll my eyes. Um, At one point, my daughter, Catherine, said when she was about two and a half, three, we were at Target. And this should have been my first clue that she was going to be very similar to myself in personality. And we're sitting in Target. She's in the cart. I was standing there looking at something. And there was a kid who was screaming at the top of their lungs across the store. I don't know where they were, but you could hear them everywhere, I'm presuming. I know we could hear them loud and clear from where we were standing. And you couldn't really hear any adults, like, telling them to be quiet or stop or anything like that. And Catherine looked at me and she goes, Mom, somebody needs a (laughs) spanking. And I was like... Yes, ma'am, somebody does need a spanking. (laughs) So she learned at a young age being a rule follower was also a good thing because there are rewards and there are also consequences for our behavior and our actions. Well, today I want to talk to you about something that God chose to do with the children of Israel. Now, the nation was... Constantly doing something wrong. Like they were the kid that needed a spanking, like all the time. God was constantly having to put them in timeout, and He kind of gave them a period of 400 years of timeout. In the book of Malachi, He was a prophet that God was using to speak to Israel, and Malachi was trying to get them to stay on track. He was like, look, these are the rules. This is God loves you, but there are warnings. There were warnings to the priests. Um, There was a call to faithfulness. God talks in Malachi about the unworthiness of their sacrifices. They were giving less than to God when he felt like, hey, I've given you everything. And it seems like you could care less that I'm even here. So God was like, okay, then. He stepped away for 400 years. There were no prophets speaking in the land for 400 years. Um, there is actually a really interesting um, prophetic word given by Amos, which was another one of the prophets in the Bible. And the prophecy that Amos, the Lord gave Amos, and then Amos gave to the people is in Amos 8, 11, And it says, The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. So God had kind of already prefaced what was going to happen. Something's going to happen. You're going to need something that you can't readily get a hold of. And for these people, it happened to be the words of the Lord. So I want to give you some background history because, okay, first of all, I love history. When I was in school, shout out to Mr. Fleming. Thank you for that one year of history that I loved. Other than that, I was bored to tears most of the time. But the history that I found after the book of Malachi was just incredible. Like, it blew my mind. Like, I grabbed a piece of paper and the only thing I could find to write with, which was a colored pencil, and I just started writing out a bunch of stuff, and I love, love, love how God sets up for the Messiah, how he sets up for his son Jesus to enter the world. This to me was like crazy interesting. So I'm going to give you a little bit of the history here and I hope that you can follow along with me. Um, I broke it down so that I would understand it. So if I can understand it, I'm hoping if you're listening, it's something that you can really grab onto and be blown away too. So it starts off with the prophet Malachi He's basically warning the people about what's going to happen, what's going on. And God's like, I'm out 400 years. See ya. I'll see you in 400 years. Now, just because God didn't speak doesn't mean he wasn't around. His silence didn't mean that he just stepped away and was like, do your own thing. But in a sense, he let them do their own thing. They had become just a little bit too wild. (laughs) And Israel changed politically, socially, and religiously during this 400 years. There were so many things that were going on. So first, it was controlled. The Israelite people were controlled by the Persian Empire. That was for about 200 years. Two of the 400 years were controlled by the Persian Empire, and it was relatively peaceful. They were allowed to even rebuild their temple. They were allowed to worship. It it wasn't like being under pharaoh or it wasn't a dictatorship necessarily they were just conquered but the persians kind of let them do their own thing well then along came alexander the great and he conquered darius of persia and alexander the great had actually studied under aristotle and i didn't really know a lot about aristotle i guess Again, if I had paid attention and listened to more history, I might have known something about him. And I had to look up what his beliefs were. And what I found was that Aristotle, he did believe in a quote-unquote higher power. um, But his idea was really good works lead to an excellent life. So he was all about what can I do to make my life better. He didn't necessarily believe in the higher power as in God being sovereign over everything. It was just... We all had to come from somewhere and he believed there was a higher power that we came from. So Aristotle was actually very, um, it was very humanistic and his belief was very ungodly. And so Alexander the Great really just wanted every land that he conquered to be infiltrated with Greek culture. And so one of the things that they had about their culture was that he wanted everyone to kind of speak the same language. And so the Hebrew Old Testament was eventually translated into Greek, which will make your mind, like, go crazy in just a minute here when I get to it. But it was the the Hebrew was still spoken, but Greek became the main language of the time. And so that kind of went on for a while, and the humanistic attitude – of Aristotle sort of just permeated the people. And basically, whenever you look at the humanistic point of view, it's my needs and my wants are more important than the values or religious beliefs. So it's all about me. I am number one and I will get what I want. So after Alexander the Great died, um, there was a succession of rulers that came and went this new guy, Antiochus Epiphany, steps on the scene. And let me just tell you, he was a serious bad guy. He defiled the Jewish temple. He would go in and he would basically just use it for pagan offerings to his gods. And the Israelites were kind of broken hearted about this. And they got really upset real quick. And so they got together and they had to rise up against him And this was a period of savage violence. It was war and destruction and just constant infighting with this guy. So then Pompey of Rome took charge. Again, I hope you're following along. I know it's a lot of history, but it is really cool. So when Pompey took charge of Rome, he had the Romans, the Greeks, and the Hebrews all mixing cultures. He didn't care that they all lived together. He didn't care that they were in the same region. He was just like, this is awesome. I am a really good ruler because I got all these people underneath me. And so this was actually the same Roman government who would tax and brutally control the Jews leading to the crucifixion of Christ. That's where we get the Roman Empire. So the Jews and the pagans alike, eventually, they became very disgruntled with, quote-unquote, religion. Um, The laws that were imposed by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the two groups of people within the Jewish culture that were kind of like, it almost felt like they were saying, do as I say, not as I do. Um, And if you do as I do, you better do it better than me. They like to point out flaws, and so I can see how it become very disheartening to constantly have somebody with that watchful eye making sure that you dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's. That was the group, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And next up we have the pagans, and the pagans started to really question the soundness of polytheism, which is the belief in multiple gods. And the Romans were also growing tired of mythology. So they became a little bit more interested in the Hebrew scriptures because now they were translated into Greek and Latin. So I think that is so cool. Can you can you see how God is like setting the stage for what's to come? For Jesus to show up on the scene? Well, while the Jews were growing despondent being ruled, they were oppressed, they were imposed upon by other groups and religions and cultures. Hope was literally like nowhere to be found for them. They were trying to keep it up. They were trying to continue reading the scriptures, continue to talk about the old days, you know, the good old days. And the Messiah was like the only one that they knew that could save them. And they were just waiting. They waited and waited and waited. And the Romans started building roads. And so... Because of the roads that were being built, that was literally like paving the way for Christ and the message of Jesus to be given out, for people to go out into the highways and the byways. And then we have the really cool thing about the common language. Now, most people speak Greek because that is exactly how the Romans wanted it. And you know what's cool? It's like, God knew... (laughs) It's like he knew what he was doing. Can you believe it? He knew that all of these things would come to a culmination of being able to spread the message of the Messiah. And the last thing that they had eventually given over to was the freedom of travel. You see, people didn't have to stay in one area because of the roads, because of the common language, because of trade routes, because of being able to um, go to other countries and other regions and lands freely. There was this freedom that had not necessarily been before. So the people were completely anticipating the Savior. Um, the prophecy was fulfilled and God broke that 400 years of silence. And you know what's cool is that he used regular people to do that. Just regular people. Um, Jesus crossed many cultural lines, uh, most of them it was very taboo <laughs> to the people in power. They were like, this guy's a lunatic. And they were afraid of him because of the influence that he had when he showed up. It's really cool to me that Jesus, he shared meals with thieves. He touched the disease. He embraced the unlovable. He healed the broken. And he spoke life to the dead. Just imagine what he wants to do in your life. You know, quiet doesn't mean that God quit. Sometimes we feel like if we don't hear from God, he must not care. That he's, you know, some distant being out in the cosmos somewhere, and here we are, little bugs on a planet. But, you know, it's so awesome to know that God really does care about us, that he really wants to do big things in our life. I mean, he took 400 years to set it up before the next prophet who was crying out in the wilderness, and that would be John the Baptist. And when he was doing so, he was saying, make way for the Messiah. The last scripture that I want to share with you is in Malachi 4.2. And it says, The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. You know, there are so many things in life sometimes that feel like we're constantly just spinning our wheels and we're just waiting and waiting and waiting for God to do something, to say something, to give us the green light, to tell us to stop. But we have to understand that he has everything in control, everything from the language change to finding the freedom to travel, to have the roads built and Set out so that the gospel could be let out into the world. You see, God always has a plan. And just because he's silent, it doesn't mean that he's gone. I hope that you're encouraged today. And I also hope that you pick up your Bible and take a look at the book of Malachi and do a little bit of research on your own. It was so interesting for me and I got actually all of the history part of it from gotquestions.org and that's where I got a lot of my notes from today. But they're super interesting. Check it out yourself. Have a great day. Be encouraged and know that God always has a plan, even in the silence.